The following audio is from Community Bible Church in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us online at cbcnashville.org. Oh, let's uh, have a seat. Be seated, please. Thank you. Uh, well, uh, bear with me for a minute. Uh, let me just thank God for the privilege of uh, this morning being able to introduce a really good friend of mine and brother in Christ uh, for many years. <laughs> Bear with me. <clears throat> uh, who's going who's gonna to preach the word to us today and share with his heart with us today and minister to us today um, through the power of the Holy Spirit? Uh, that'd be Don Schroeder. Uh, some of us were here for the Sunday school hour and uh, heard a little bit of a briefing, a sort of a s synopsis of Don and Cheryl's time on the mission field uh, from 90, no, from 2000, really, to 2023. And uh, <clears throat> as you may have heard, uh, uh, Don and Cheryl uh, were from this church. And so just a little background, um, uh, Stephanie and I came to this church uh, the second time is starting in 1991, and the Schroeders were already here. They were here starting in 1995. 80, 85. Thanks. Wrong decade. Uh, so, uh, yes, from 85. So they were already here when we got here in 91, and um, uh, we, were, we became good friends. We had some kids that were the same ages, that were going to the various kids' ministries here together, kind of grew up together here. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so we became really good friends, uh, home fellowship groups together, ministering together. Um, Don was, uh, became an elder of this church for several years. And, uh, and so we were very happy as a church, uh, as a mission-oriented church, to be able to commission and send Don and Cheryl to Bangladesh where they had been called uh, to minister the gospel in that basically almost 100% Muslim country. Um, and uh, uh, they were uniquely equipped to go there. Uh, they had some, they had learned the language uh, and were able to minister there. And, um, we did have the privilege a couple of times of sending some short-term mission teams to visit them there and, and minister with them side by side at some conferences with the local uh, leaders there. And um, it's just been a, a privilege over the years to be partnership, to be partners with them as a church and as families uh, in their ministry in Bangladesh. Um, so. Uh, I just I'm very privileged to uh, to be able to introduce Don to you this morning. Uh, Don, thank you for preaching to us this morning, and uh, thanks for your service uh, for so many years in Bangladesh of the gospel of Christ. Uh, come ahead, thank you. Beautiful. Somebody in Sunday school. Somebody asked me, "Well, you ever get scared in Bangladesh? You know, it's a scary place." Well, I'm way more scared right now than I <laughs> was in Bangladesh. Um, preaching is not my uh, forte. I, I'm a good talker, but 
preaching is you know real linear presentation of something and and i'm good on discussions we'll go from one topic and you're teaching interactive teaching so <laughs> speaker's not supposed to apologize first for his speaking but that's probably what i'm doing um yeah Sh sheldon said we first came to cbc in 1985 the day that this building was dedicated probably fall 1985 was the first day we, we came to CBC. Uh, service, the service was still up in the, uh, whatever that building's called now. We used to call it the church. But um, yeah, the, the service was still up there. Um, there's people here that have known me a long time this morning. So they will attest to you how ordinary people can be involved in extraordinary things. You, you don't have to be an extraordinary, this isn't a sermon, by the way. You don't have to be involved, no. You don't have to be an extraordinary person to be involved in extraordinary things. And that, that would be my life testimony. Um, you know, we, we went to Bangladesh first time, uh, sent from CBC in 2000, but um, obedience to the Lord is this, is this long-term thing. And, you know, you just, my, pretty much my life, I've tried to do, at least when I came to faith, from when I came to faith, I tried to do that day what I felt God calling me to do, direct me to do. And most of the times, it wasn't very exciting. It was getting up and going to work and helping the kids or um, showing my wife where the diapers were so she could change the diaper. So it... Um, I hear these days you can't get away with that anymore. You've got to actually do it yourself. Um, but um, yeah, so, so I, I, I'm, my professional degree is environmental engineering. My freshman chemistry lab partner is here this morning. My senior year, senior year only roommate, I mean, of course, excuse me? Junior and senior person across the hall from me at Vanderbilt University, McGill Dormitory is here today. They know stories about me that you don't want to ask, um, whatever. So, um, well, you can ask, that's fine. But I, so I, I'm a, I'm a test, I hope I'm a testimony to God's redeeming power, to God's grace. Um, I'm really not that special. Uh, just as my wife, if you want to know about that, I'm just a guy, a norm, normal person who has tried increasingly maybe each day to do what he felt he was supposed to do that day. And maybe doing that each day will, will take you guys to a career in Nashville, Tennessee that goes on forever. And that's great. And, and maybe that'll take you to another place in this country, or maybe it'll take you another place in this world. So um, I definitely have a sense of, of, of a call, a direction as, as being a missionary and go overseas, but I, I don't have a sense that I've got some unique skill set that you guys don't have. I just have a sense that that's where God led me to do. That's where he you know, called me to be. Where it's, where, where, that's where I could be faithful to what I thought he was telling me. So that, that, that's, that's my testimony. Um, very thankful for being a part of CBC for 15 years. Um, Scott Searle and my youngest daughter, Gail, their first kisses were with each other. 
left that part out. I think, were they four or three or, f they're about four. Um, their daughter, their daughter, their son, Nathan, dated my daughter, Ruth, and we're still speaking. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of history. If you want to know about me during those days, talk to Sheldon and Stephanie. Don't talk to Larry Stack, because he'll, he'll tell you things that just aren't true about me and stuff. So Sheldon, Sheldon and Stephanie are the people to talk to about that. Um, let's see. Yeah, so w when 1988 or so um, just felt a, a direction. We had, we had gone to Bangladesh uh, 81, 82, 83 with a uh, Christian relief and development organization called Mennonite Central Committee. And it was really just doing relief and development work. Cheryl was doing public health stuff. I was doing environmental engineering stuff. So. Bangladesh had sort of, we knew where Bangladesh was, we knew the people there, we knew of some of the missionaries working there, but that was sort of a little package. We did that three years, put a bow in the package and put it on the shelf. Um, came to Nashville, professional engineer, worked in environmental engineering, 15 years, 16 years, and I just got tired of building wastewater treatment plants. It just, it was, it was fine. It, it, and if, you, if you're not tired of building wastewater treatment plants, that's great keep doing it, but I just got tired of, of doing that. Um, so I said, I'm going to do something. I'm only 46, 46 years old. I think, I hope I got a few more years, what I want to do. And so I got the idea, let's go to, back to Bangladesh's missionaries. I don't know how I got the idea, but I did. Pray, hopefully it was the Spirit of God directing me, but we had mission conferences at CBC. We supported missionaries. We had a missionary, the old analog missionary board with maps and pins and arrows and we had missionary conferences and faith promise offerings and all this stuff. Um, so I was involved in missionaries, um, involved in missions and knew about it, but just got the sense that, hey, this, I think this is what I should do or want to do. And went to the pastor at that time, Jerry Batts, and, and met him and said, hey, Jerry, I, this, is, this is what I think I want to do. Does this sound crazy? Um, because it did sound a little crazy. My daughters were junior in, junior in high school and what, whatever. They're older kids. We established in the community, blah, blah, blah. But Jerry said, no, that doesn't sound crazy. It sounds different, but it doesn't, doesn't sound crazy. So we just started the process and it took a while for Cheryl and I to get on the same page and where we're going to go and what we're going to do and raise support. And, but very, very supportive. I mean, CBC was very, very supportive in those years, encouraging us and sending us out. I think at the beginning, 25% of our support came from CBC, very significant. There was a network of churches that CBC knew of. Those other, a lot of those other, not a lot, several of those other churches have supported us over the years. Individuals at CBC have supported us. Um, so we're just very thankful uh, for the connection. Um, still not the sermon. Um, let's see. Oh. I, I'm, I'm a little bit of an emotional person, and I used, and this is not a joke, I used to be known as the crying elder in, in community Bible church, because whenever I got up, there'd be tears coming. Things have happened in my life over the years, I'm even worse than I was before. So if I get emotional, I am not trying to manipulate you. I am not trying to get you to feel sorry for me. Um, 
but I can't control it. It just, it just comes. So I'm not going to have an emotional breakdown, probably. And um, just bear with me. I'll get under control again, and, and, and we'll keep going. But don't feel sorry for me. Um, but I, I can't control it. Maybe it'll be the first time in X years that I don't cry during a service, but I doubt it. Um, okay. Would the kids come forward? Normally, like pre-K through... Um, Elementary school, you have a little children, well, it's not normally, but sometimes you have a children's message. If anybody's pre-K through whatever grade you want, if you think you're a kid, come on up. Come on, man. Come on, you know me. Hey, come on, we can sit here. Or, or sit there, as you wish. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so how you guys doing? Oh, man, we got a lot of kids. Thanks. Oh, good. Hey. Oh, you have special mention. All right. Um, well, welcome. My name's Don. I'm a grandfather, and I have a lot of grandkids that are about your age. And unfortunately, I have grandkids that are a lot older than you as well. So, all right. What do I, what do I got here? What? Apples. Apples are a kind of fruit. Yes. In this passage we read this morning, it talked about Bearing fruit, I'll read you one, this is verse 10 that Brendan read, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So I'm going to talk some this morning about bearing fruit. Sounds a little weird, doesn't it? Like... Am I going to have apples growing out of my ears? What do you think? They look good? Don't look good. Okay. What do you think, guys? So, that's not what it means to bear fruit. What, what do you guys think it means to bear fruit? Anybody got an idea? Say again? Bearing fruit in the ground. Yeah, but how about me as a person? What does it mean? It's because it told me in the Bible here that I'm supposed to be bearing fruit as a person, as an individual, as a believer, we're supposed to bear fruit. Anybody got a clue what that would be? Well, that's why I called you up, I guess. So bearing fruit is doing things in your life that give evidence to the Christ in you, that you've got this new life in you. You've got a desire to follow Jesus. You've got a desire to live to glorify him, to do things that bring him honor. And so bearing fruit, so this apples, these are good fruit. So God tells us to live our life such that it's bearing fruit. And fruit, if I had apples growing on out of my ears, everybody could see that I, was bearing, that I was bearing fruit. But the idea in your own life is that live your life in such a way that when people see you, oh, this guy, this girl shares with others. This guy helps other people. This little girl encourages others. This little girl listens to her parents or listens to her teacher or whatever. So it's the idea of having a life that others can see that there's good things happening and there's good things coming from your life to show to others. Um, there's a passage in Galatians that talks about fruit, like the fruit of the Spirit. And this is fruit that God wants us to give, to bear, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you guys can bear this kind of fruit in your life. You can be patient with your brothers and sisters. You can have self-control in your classes to listen to your teachers, to not talk or do other stuff. Gentleness, you could be gentle with your friends. So God encourages, God wants us to bear fruit in our life. And as we're talking this morning, you can think about ways in your own life that you might bear fruit for Jesus. And take an apple, take an apple back with you. You don't, you don't have to eat it now. Do whatever your parents tell you. It's washed, just for the record. So go and bear fruit, okay? You guys can sit down, sit back down. I've got an illustration in the search of a sermon. Jeremy and I were emailing three weeks ago, a month ago, come in here, present to Sunday school class. The opportunity was to, to preach a sermon. I said, great, look, you know, that's fine. I, I'd be happy to do that. I didn't have anything particularly I wanted to share or communicate. But through some process, I became convinced that I was supposed to show you a movie clip. Now, the first movie clip that has ever been shown at Community Bible Church was 1988, when I showed a movie clip as part of a sermon, and it was from, say again? Civil Action. Civil Action, John Travolta, the closing scene in the Civil Action where Travolta's in bankruptcy court, and basically the judge is asking him, where'd all the money go, you know, the, the meaningful things in life, and we went on from there. Um, and it, it, it just, I got the impression that I'm supposed to show you a movie clip and the, the theme of the movie clip or the, the main sentence that I felt was for you. Now you is general and you is specific. I don't, I don't have some preconceived notion that, well, you need to listen to this because you've got this problem or you've got this problem. I don't have any of that preconceived notion, but I do have the sense I had the sense, and I still have the sense, I'm supposed to show this to you. And how this speaks to you is up to you. And what you think you're supposed to do as a result of this is up to you as well. Um, the, the, the question in the clip or the, the, the thought in the clip that is key for me that I'm going to try to communicate to you is the question that was asked, what are you prepared to do? So the, 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 what are you prepared to do was spoken about two, four, six, eight times in this movie. And that's, that's what I felt I was supposed to present to you guys. Um, does anybody know what movie that might be from? What are you prepared to do? Spoken by Sean Connery to Kevin Costner. 1987 movie before some of you were born, maybe most of you were born. Say, The Untouchables, yes. I don't recommend this movie. It's like R-rated, it's really rough, it's really whatever, so I'm not. And, and um, Jeremy gave me grace and, and let me present this. So 
if, if there's a pro I'm the one with this idea to do this, so I'm thankful for the freedom to do it. Um, so it's set in Prohibition area, era in the 1930s. Al Capone is a gangster in Chicago and um, having, having great success and having illegal liquor come into the Chicago area and the federal government comes in and wants to stop him. The local police aren't very effective because he's paid off a lot of the local police. So Elliot Ness, who is a real historical character, so Kevin Costner's Elliot Ness, uh, Robert De Niro is Al Capone. Um, so they're real people, but most of the story in the movie is, is made up and the details are made up. And the Sean, Sean Connery is the character that asks the question, what are you prepared to do? Um, so j just set up, the, set up the clip. The clip lasts two, two minutes. Um, so Elliot Ness is a federal guy, comes in from the outside, um, not getting good cooperation with the Chicago police. He tries to do a secret raid, but some informant uh, tips off those people and the raid is a, is a failure. And he's sort of a fool, if you will, in the movie, very sort of downcast, and, and in a separate instance meets Jimmy Malone, who is a Catholic, Irish Catholic cop in Chicago, sort of rough and tumble guy, but an honest guy apparently. And, and um, Costner, uh, Elliot Ness, perceived that he was an honest guy and went to his house one day and invited him to join his uh, operation to help uh, stop the operations for Al Capone because he was an insider in Chicago and he could probably do this better and that had a meeting in his house and basically Sean Connery said, sorry man, I'm, I'm just too old, uh, you know, I have too much at stake, uh, if I get involved in this, it could be the end of my life, et cetera, et cetera. So um, Elliot Ness sort of dejectedly leaves there and then after that, the next scene in the movie is I don't know if it's a day later or a week later, but sometimes later, Elliot Ness, they, they, they open with Elliot Ness, and he, he's, you can tell he's dejected, he doesn't know where to go, he's just in this office, don't know what to do, and off, off camera, uh, Sean Connery, Jimmy, Jimmy Malone walks in, and his, you know, his, his personality, his visage, his face changes, and he's got hope, and uh, they talk. So let's go ahead and show the clip, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk some more. Within the law. And then what are you prepared to do? If you open the ball on these people, Mr. Nash, you must be prepared to go all the way. Because they won't give up the fight until one of you is dead. I want to get Capone. I don't know how to get him. You want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago. That's how you get Capone. to do that? Are you ready to do that? 
making you a deal. You want this deal? I have sworn to put this man away with any and all legal means at my disposal, and I will do so. Mr. Ness. Yes. Good. Because you just took it. So that was the illustration in, in search of a sermon. And told my wife about it and told my kids about it. They said, Dad, you're going to community Bible church. <laughs> you don't you just don't show clips from movies, you know, there's a little more to it than that. Um, and, and there is, but um, that, that's all I had for a couple of weeks. And um, because I, in, 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 at one level, I think that's the, basically what God wants me to communicate to you this morning. What are you prepared to do? He said it two times here. Halfway through the movie, they had a key witness that met an untimely demise, and he said it twice again to Elliot Ness, what are you prepared to do? Are you serious about this? Do you really, are you willing to carry this through, or really willing to do what it takes? And at the end of the movie, it, it happens again, and um, Malone, Jimmy Malone meets his own demise, and his basic dying breath was holding Elliot Ness into his face telling him, what are you, what are you prepared to do? Um, that's Malone's question to next, next. So that's what I believe God's supposed to ask me. What are you prepared to do? Well, obvious question, what are you prepared to do about what? Well, at one level, I don't know. So that, that's, that's where I can, in one way, leave it with you. You, you have things going on in your lives that, Maybe you're thinking about, maybe you're struggling with, maybe you're not struggling with, um, maybe you should be struggling with, and with, maybe you should be thinking about them. So what are you prepared to do about those things, whatever they are? Um, when I thought about it more, what are you prepared to do sort of led into what are you prepared to do to bear fruit in your Christian life, whatever that means for you. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, what are you prepared to do to bear fruit in your life? How serious are you about it? How serious are you going to take it? Um, and I, I thought the, me the message I first thought was more specific to individuals, all of you as individuals in this room. But having come here, talking to other people, the message may have application to CBC as a whole. Um, and, and I didn't think about this, but CBC's been through a rough couple of years and got some gut punch. What do they call them? Sucker punches. No, what you, got the knock, wind knocked out of them. So we got the wind knocked out of us, sort of recovered. We got the wind knocked out of us again, sort of recovered. Got the wind knocked out of us again. And maybe we haven't recovered yet. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, uh, I'm an outsider. But... Um, 
what are you prepared to do as a church? What do you want to do as a church? What do you want to be? Maybe you're still, maybe you, that, that's going to be worked on. I know there's going to be a congregational meeting next month. I know there's a search committee being formed. Um, you guys have the opportunity to really ask some serious questions about who you are, where you are, what you're doing, how you're doing it. So when I got this clip, there was no thought in my mind that that, well, maybe that's part of the message here. Maybe that's what are you what God's asking you, what are you prepared to do? About what? Um, yeah, so maybe it's totally something in, in your, your individual life that we're talking about. Maybe it's something in the, in the corporate life. Um, so the, then the bearing fruit came on. Um, so it was the Colossians passage that was read. Colossians 1, just a couple of the verses, um, 3 to 6. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world, also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even, in, uh, it, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. The believers in Colossae had faith in Jesus Christ. They had heard the word of the gospel, the word of truth. They had understood the grace and truth, and they were constantly bearing fruit and increasing. That's supposed to describe all of us. So what are you prepared to do to do that in your life? Two more verses, 9 and 10 in the first chapter. For these, This is Paul's prayer. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So Paul's prayer for them, they were, he prayed for they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And just so it's clear that this is not something we do in our own strength, Paul made that clear, verse 13 and 14. For he rescued us. This is like right in the middle. No, it's not in the middle. It's right after that. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So that, that's how it's possible to bear fruit. We got, we got rescued. The, quite a number of the songs this morning were talking about getting rescued, getting transformed, getting covered, getting changed. That's how it's possible. Two more verses, 21 to 23. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, 
not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. So they used to be alienated. They used to be hostile in mind. They used to be engaged in evil deeds. Trust me, I've been there. But now you've reconciled in order to be presented before him, holy, blameless, beyond reproach, continuing in the faith, not moved away from the hope of the gospel. So some of you might easily recognize an area of your life that this message could apply to related to um, what are you prepared to do. I, I had a couple, couple of thoughts. Um, I was going to ask, what are you prepared to do about the bad habits in your life? Maybe you drink too much, and again, I don't know any of you, drink too much, you work too much, you gamble too much, you watch social media too much, you watch TV and too much, watch internet too much. I'm not going to divine what too much is means, but that, that was one area that I was going to talk about. I, I don't think, I don't need to talk about, or I don't want to talk about that area. But the second area that I was going to talk about is what are you prepared to do about your bad relationships? And, and for this, when I looked at scripture, when I looked at the clip, this was like, oh, this seems like a pretty, possibly a pretty relevant area for people in general, or maybe people at CBC in specific. I had 17 theoretical, or 17 re relationship areas, husband, wife, children, father, mother, brother, sister, extended family, employer, employees, coworker, neighbor, government, church, pastor, church leaders, national leaders, us versus them. So, I don't know, do you have any of those relationships that could use some fruit in your life, that could, could bear with increasing fruit in your life? And again, I'm, I, I don't, I'm just supposed to show the clip. That's what I think. I'm supposed to show the clip. You're supposed to answer the question. Um, I'm not here to tell you which ones apply to you, but maybe some, maybe several do. I'd encourage you to think about them. I think there's gonna be opportunities as a fellowship to talk about some of those areas as applies to Community Bible Church as well. Um, guidance from scripture for those wishing to restore or hear, heal a relationship. Well, there's all sorts of guidance. I just pick Romans 12. Uh, the whole chapter applies, but I'm just going to read a couple of verses. Um, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. And then further on in chapter 12, verses 14 to 21, Bless the, as you, you know, in the context of thinking about relationships, all these possible relationships that you could have with friends and neighbors, family and coworkers and church, church people, church people and government people, 
um, 14 to 21. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil with do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Jeremy told me I could stop early, so I'm getting close to stopping early. Um, yeah, so just, just from the songs we sang this morning, the, fir the first song was Before the Throne of God Above. When, one verse, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. He made an end to my sin so that I don't have to sin anymore. I will sin anymore, but I don't have to sin anymore. And can it be? Here we go. One of my favorite songs, I guess. Long my imprisoned spirit lay Sorry for the big words, kids. That's what's what they used to say. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's might. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My My, my chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. One of my favorite things about that is that I'm in chains. They fell off. I didn't take them off. They fell off. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. When your chains have fallen off, you're enabled to rise, go forth, and to follow Jesus and Christ alone. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his, and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. There is a fountain. Ever since by faith I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds supply. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. After the message, we're going to share Lord's Supper, communion together. Just an opportunity for you to reflect where you are with God, where you are with uh, your relationships, where you are with the question, what are you prepared to do? Um, after communion, we'll sing one more song, The Power of the Cross. Oh, to see my name written in the wounds, for through your suffering I am free. 
death is crushed to life. Life is mine to live, one through your selfless love. This, the power of the cross, Son of God slain for us. What a love, what a cost. We stand forgiven at the cross. May the power of the cross enable you to do what you're supposed to do. May we all find the power to change, the power to bear more fruit through the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio presentation from Community Bible Church. For more information, please visit us at 6005 Edmondson Pike in Nashville, Tennessee, or online at cbcnashville.org.